Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Vintage international break bollocks. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the, quote, tolerable, but there's better Arsenal podcasts out there, podcast. A light-hearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend. Bradley Adams. Hello, mate. Hello, sir. Long time no see. It's been a while. It has been a while. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, mate. I'm, I'm getting excited for the football to hopefully come back. I feel like on international break, I, I get to, I get to like a Friday evening. And I feel like I've like, I feel like my birthday party has been cancelled. Yeah. And you're like, you just remember and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I don't, I don't really have an interest in international football. To the level of some people like England are playing tonight, I probably won't watch it. <laughs> I'll watch a tournament. I'm not going to watch the qualifiers or <laughs> the friendlies because it's just, it's, yes, it's, it's pointless. Not is it a friendly? Well, yeah, we've already qualified. I genuinely don't understand these days why international teams play friendlies. Like ser- seriously, there's Nations League, there's World Cup, there's European, there's qualifiers that like, I don't get it. What's the purpose of it? I get, I guess for the teams that helps them, but like surely there's more meaningful games to play. But anyway, anyway, it's international break, which means that Arsenal aren't playing. That's what that means, guys, just to, just to help you out. Um, and today what we're going to be doing next week, we're going to have a little look ahead to the summer transfer window. But this week we do a little sort of jam-packed extravaganza. There you go, with a podcast. Uh, we're going to cover some news. We're going to do some Would You Rathers as a complete ripoff of the Arsenal Vision podcast, but I really like it. So we're going to do some Would You Rathers. Uh, we're then going to answer some of your questions that you sent in on Mailbag. And then Bradley and I have decided to uh, to pitch some songs f- uh, for the stadium for some underrepresented members of our squad. People we feel probably will never get a song yeah they'll never get a song but well some may maybe will depending on maybe their their leg but they're like for example i'm doing eddie and who's leaving in the summer so i'm I'm pretty sure he'll never get a song so we'll give him a a a roaring send-off but the legacy will remain do you know what i mean we can sing the eddie and song while he's banging them in for west ham or norwich or cardiff city or wherever he goes it is mikel arteta's 40th birthday today I forget how young he is. I really do. If I look that good when I'm 40, I will take it. I, I, do, I definitely think there's a dynamic shift to younger managers. You know, you're looking at Julian Nagelsmann, who's in his 30s and has been managing for 12 years. And it's the same conversation that we have about players sometimes. Like, 40 is unbelievably young at the moment for a manager. Hmm. You know, everyone talks about Ten Hag being a young manager and he's in his mid-50s. Yeah. Like, he's, he's older than Pochettino. Yeah, and, people, and United fans think of this like, oh, but he's still young with a manager. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's you know, happy birthday to the gaffer. Hopefully, we can give him a good present when he comes back and, and win a, win a couple of matches or something. What would you get, Mikel Arteta, for his birthday if you were his mate? Ooh, what would I buy Mikel Arteta if I was his mate for his birthday? Probably tickets to like a comedy event. Just so he could sit there in the front row, completely stone face. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I can imagine well, him sat yeah. there just not laughing, but but finding it really funny. But just like, yeah, and he just slowly every every little moment through the gig, he just you could just see his arms going, and he's wanting to like to shift to the left, shift to the left, pull in, pull in, take out, okay, take the mic off, put it back. He just like can't help himself. He's just like go back, go back, there, there. Or he's just like, he closes his eyes and just imagines himself on the touchline, like 
there's just arms are jiggling. He's like, <laughs> just every moment. Like, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I love his passion, but yeah, maybe, maybe he could, he could do some comedy in his life. Yeah, I think, I think I'd, I'd, I'd be with that. Maybe just something to take his mind off the game. Maybe like a massager or something. You know, there's like guns you can get that like shoot. Yeah. They're like, um, what are they called? Like theraguns. guns. Yeah, I'd get him a theragun just to relax him in the evenings after a whole day of strolling up the touchline looking ridiculously handsome uh the only other things that have happened well quite a few things have happened since we last recorded uh martinelli had his debut yep for brazil um how you can be proud of someone you've never met don't know but I, i'm just so proud of him so proud of him it is also fucking wild because imagine playing in the fourth tier of brazilian football and th- is it three years later just like playing with neymar and all these people it'll be th- is, i think it'll be three years this summer yeah yeah so less than three years later, just playing with those people. It is unbelievable. And it's testament to him for, for how much he's improved. Like, it is, it is wild. He suits number 19, actually. Maybe, maybe Pepe could, he could take it off Pepe when he goes. Um, good news. Oh, I want Martinelli 11, mate. Yeah, because you can stylize it with the Martinelli 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Anyway, it's just my numbers boner. Uh, Saccharin Smithrow not involved for England uh, Saka with COVID and I think Smith Rose missed the training session is unlikely to play today probably good um, again sort of on the uh, the load thing um, I mean as as little football as they can play outside of our Premier League games is probably good I wanted to come on to two main things but also should cover before we do that Koscielny retiring um, yeah that news today yeah Lauren Koscielny retiring from football um, ended badly but he was a great servant for Arsenal and I don't know I have I'm it's sort of bittersweet in a way I think the more time has passed around Koscielny the more I find the blame lies at Arsenal's door rather than Koscielny's for the for the bitter ending mm. because the man's body was you know shattered by the end of of his Arsenal career he was given assurances that he would be allowed to leave that summer and because of the poor planning of the club was the, the you know we went back on that word and so i can now time has passed i can understand why it ended so acrimoniously um and i think it's one where like in time again we'll look back on him as a phenomenal servant of the club and we won't remember because it, it's a bitter ending at the moment because it was it was quite recent but I think in two, even two, three more years' time, we won't remember this bitterness. And I, th- I mean, there's a couple of players that I feel like that about. But um, I think we really have to remember how amazing he was in an Arsenal shirt and the peak of his career that he gave us through thick and thin and major, major injuries. And obviously, it's a shame that it ended the way that it did. But... I think that's more to do with the club than it is to do with anyone else. And, yeah. and the way the, I, the way the club was being run at the time. Yeah, I yeah, cuz he was he was with us through the banter era, do you know what I mean? Like he really he really like spearheaded our defense for so so long and I don't know how Wenger would have gotten the top 4 um in the years that he did without Koscielny at, at points. Um and yeah, I, you know, he he really, if that if that ending hadn't happened, he really could rem- be remembered as a proper proper Arsenal sort of cult hero, and potentially mm. even into sort of the lower tier of the legends, definitely. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, and and also the, the sort of the the more information we understand about how the club was being run, the more we see how, um, you know, the careers of those who were running the club, where, where they're going, what they're doing now. Um, although Gazidis is doing quite well at Milan. Um, the more we understand about that era and how we were being run, the more you can probably understand that actually Koscielny might have had uh, a different version of events from what was maybe publicised at the time. Um, And I'm sure he felt as though probably, you know, how many years he'd given to the club. Surely there was a bit of respect to to be shown. You know, it's not a good look to have that Bordeaux announcement video be the way it was. But I'm sure there's lots of things we don't know. Um, he literally just wanted to go back to France to finish his career in France after 
battling through injuries to get us through some of our toughest times, had an agreement with the club, which the club reneged on. And whilst, listen, we can have conversations about gentlemen's agreements and stuff. It's not like by the end of his career, he was the best centre-back in the league. You know, he was ageing out. It was the end of his career. He might have not even been starting for Arsenal that season. So it it was, yeah, it's just horrendously poor planning by the club that's put um, a possible Arsenal, I'd say cult hero, uh, in, in that kind of um, status in jeopardy, really, yeah. for the short yeah. term, which is a shame. Yeah, I think in time he he could sort of return to that, especially if and I I think he had a lot of leadership qualities. So I wonder whether he'll end up in a coaching role. He might even end up back back at Arsenal. You know, Mikel played with him, and I'm not saying he'll ever be a coach or a you know, but but I, I think bringing people who who spent a, a large amount of their professional career with Arsenal, if they have the requisite skills, is never a bad thing um, because you have the loyalties and you have the ties and they understand the club and they know the area and all these sorts of things, and it just allows for a bit more mm-hmm. of a you know, frictionless transition. Um, the only, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about, it's kind of past now, but was the Saka, Gerard, ESPN comments, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the, the, we know that Saka wasn't saying he doesn't want the physical side of the game. No one's saying that. So the ESPN thing, I think is almost beyond, it's beyond actual analysis. It's so, it's such stupid punditry that it's kind of goes into the realm of ridiculousness where no one's saying what that guy's referring to. But I think with the Gerard, the Gerard comments were interesting to me because I actually praised him when he came in. He gave an interview with Jamie Carragher and he talks about how he's going to have to adapt uh, and learn with the players and rather than sort of projecting his, um, his mentality of how or when he played, um, you know, the game has changed and he has to learn that. And I, I remember posting the video of that online and thinking, yeah, like this is this is the right attitude to have. So it's a real shame to me to see him, I think probably slightly bitter from the defeat, slightly go back on that and, and display a slightly older mentality. And there's a concept called generational trauma, <laughs> which is like in psychology, where essentially it's about breaking cycles. If you're if your grandfather's grandfather constantly told his son that he wasn't enough or he you know needed to work harder or he wasn't you know wasn't man enough or whatever it's likely that 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 person will then project it onto their kids and they will then project it onto their kids and it's about breaking breaking the cycle the fact that a man who is sat with 16 or whatever he said 16 operations and screws in his leg isn't saying there's an issue here he's saying well that's english football to me indicates that he hasn't actually recognised what the, the truth of that situation is, t- to me anyway, in that he shouldn't have had to go through that and therefore it's about breaking that cycle. I also want to echo what Tim Stillman said on the uh, Arsenal Vision podcast, which was there is a cycle, which I don't like, of ex-players, pundits, etc., talking about young black English players and saying they need to understand the English game. You think of Sterling, you think of Zaha, you think of Saka. They're, they're telling them it's part of the the English game. And I don't like that. It feels a they're little English. bit charged. It feels That's what I mean. It feels a little bit charged. It feels a little bit, I don't know. And there is a pattern forming. And I think I think it should be noted in media. Absolutely. Um, it's also unbelievably stupid. Like it's some of the most moronic quotes I've ever heard. Whatever we think of the dark arts of the game or rotational fouling, by design and name, they're not allowed in the game. Like, a foul isn't allowed in the game. That's why it's a foul. That's why the yeah. uh, like. That's why people <laughs> get opportunity. Yeah, it's called a foul for yeah. a reason. It whether you decide to try and cleverly work it into a part of the game, and whether you're willing to accept that is fine, right? But don't try and delude people or delude yourself that that's actually what's allowed in the game. That It's not. It's Fouling isn't meant to be part of the game. People make it part of the game to give themselves tactical advantages. It's not something where they're, they're not... They're, you are literally breaking the rules. Like, it, it's, it's... I can't say it any simpler than that. And to come out and say, oh, well, you know, they need to understand the game better. No you need to understand the game better. You're literally not allowed to do this. Like that, that's the point. And that's why it's just, it's, it, it screams bitterness. And 
it screams of a of a again a mentality from 40 years ago that yeah. is not going to that's not going to serve Gerard in his managerial career because even himself he came out and said when he was at Rangers at the top club that his players needed more protection from the clubs around mm-hmm. so that they they stopped tactical fouling and stuff it's all born of situation you know Gerard if he's a like a proper top club would be on the opposite side of that argument because he he will have to deal with the rotational fouling and the kicking out of you know trying to kick Saka out of a game or kick Sterling out of a game against you know probably 14 out of the 20 Premier League teams but he will get nowhere in his career without starting to manage like a top level manager now if that makes sense you, you won't progress if you if you act like and you behave like you are a, a a rest of the middle of the pack manager and that's how you coach and that's the mentality you instill there's no upwards movement for you no no manager who's coming on to top things and is moving towards top jobs is acting like they're they're managing burnley and saying, oh, you know, they need to understand the English game and the rotational failing. No, they're concentrating on upwards mobility, being the best coach that they can be, rather than stupid things like this. I think you're spot on. And and if you're being tactically out for, as he was in that game, um, you're, and, and it's, it's not a debate whether there was rotational fouling going on. It would be Cash, then Young, then Mings, then McGinn or whoever it was on that side. It was clearly going on. So it clearly had been discussed in the, in the, in the locker room. And when that doesn't work and you're bitter about it, it's just not a good look. And, and as you say, it's not, it's not the look of a top manager. And it will, take, it will take you out of the running for it. It will take you out of the running for it because all of these top clubs are are entities now. They're limited companies. We call them football clubs, but they're entities, limited companies that have a lot more to think about when it comes to their reputation and how they can market themselves and sell themselves. Do you think Liverpool are going to want to bring in a man that's going to try and sell them as, as you know, as, as that kind of club who just try and kick players out of a game? No, they're not. So he's only hurting his own mobility moving forward because once you it's like Daesh Daesh has become synonymous and recognised for dirty muddy football and uh, his players getting away with with a shitload of fouls Sean Daesh is a decent manager and if you look at the way that Burnley move the ball sometimes especially with their new recruits they look like a, a like a half decent Premier League side but Daesh will never have any more up, he, he can move nowhere further up than he already is because of the aura that is now around Sean Daesh yeah, it's a reputation, and I think Gerard's you getting have that to for, be careful. Someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gerard's getting that as someone who essentially sets his team up to be aggressive, which is fine for a bit, but it doesn't always work. And once you get that reputation, you're going to start that they'll start picking up more yellows and reds, um, which I don't really care. Go for it. <laughs> See you in the relegation zone, uh, Bradley. Let's get on to yes. our would you rather's. Oh, let's do it. I'm very much looking forward to this, Brad. As I say, this is completely stolen from the Arsenal Vision podcast, but I really liked it. So there we go. Uh, do you want to go first or should I go first? Do we Do we want to do one and one and one and one and one and one? I think so. I think so. Yeah. We've got two uh, uh, more serious ones and then one that one that's a little bit silly. Yeah. Please play along at home. Tweet us in your thoughts. Um, hopefully we've got some good brain teasers. Uh Why don't you go first, Bradley? Okay. Alex. Go on. Would you rather Arsenal win the Premier League or get to a Champions League final with only a 10% chance of winning? Duck-sized horses. No. Um, Win the Premier League or get to a Champions League final with a 10% chance of winning? You have a one in ten roll of the dice as to whether you would win that final. Win the prem. Yeah, win the okay. prem. Because look, 
I think probably the Champions League is is the is the bigger honor. It's the it's probably the biggest and it's the you know I think it like it's worth probably a couple of league titles. Um and if you ask me would I prefer to win the Champions League or the league I would say I'd prefer to win the Champions League just because of the prestige. But also a league title is over 38 games and it's 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 pretty hard to argue that the team that won the league weren't the best team in the league like it's it's rare it happens do you know what i mean in terms you of can't, you can't argue it you literally can't there's 38 opportunities to well they were the best over 38 games you know for example the, the thing that immediately comes to mind is is leicester but they won their games so over those 38 games they were better um yeah i'd i'd go with the premier league what about you I'm a gambling man. I'd go CL final. I would. Yeah. I would. <laughs> it's just so nice, isn't it? Ma- mainly because as well, even if we didn't win it, the prestige of seeing your club in a Champions League final is amazing. So I think I would go and for we've this, never for won ten percent chance. Do you know what I mean? CL. Exactly. Yeah. And we've won the Premier League. Yeah. Oh, I might change. My- no, no, no. I guess stick with Premier League. Stick with Premier League. Okay. All right. You go. You go. Bradley, would you rather? Only Lacazette and Xhaka go this summer and and we upgrade them. So they go and we immediately slot people in, but we can't sign anyone else. Or they stay and we can't upgrade in central midfield or up front, but we get to add to the squad with an unlimited budget elsewhere. Just repeat that. Only Lacazette so and Jacka go. So we wouldn't be able to buy a centre forward. Yeah, only Lacazette, uh, Lacazette and Jacka go, and we can upgrade them, but can't sign anyone else. Or they both stay. We can't upgrade centre mid and centre forward, but we can. We have an unlimited budget elsewhere. Uh, upgrade Jacka and Laka. I don't think. I don't think we need an unlimited budget to upgrade elsewhere. I think that we could get through a season with Tommy Asu and Cedric and Ben White covering that right-hand side or right back, you know, with, with the opportunity of Saliba coming back. I think that there there is no way that this team makes any meaningful progression without strengthening at centre-forward. That's the that's the main issue this team has. And so if we didn't do that this summer, we, we're going to stagnate. So no, 100%, I'd... I'd go for the upgrading Xhaka and Lacker and, and not get anywhere else because they're, they're, that's number one and number two on my shopping list is a central midfielder and a striker. I think, the, yeah, I would probably agree with you because I think the red herring in the question is the unlimited budget, which sounds like, okay, well then you go out and buy Trent and whoever. Actually, who would I replace in our goal for Ramsdale? Only a couple of people, and they probably wouldn't come even if we had an unlimited budget. Do you know what I mean? Even even mm. if we could, even if we get financially could get, I don't know, Allison, he probably wouldn't come. So who do we want in those positions? Right now, I think we have, you know, not I'm not going to say the best in the world in terms of you know in terms of their potential, but very high potential players in other positions. And yeah, I think it would significantly stagnate us if we couldn't upgrade those positions and they feel like by far and away the most important positions to be looking at this summer. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Go on, you want to go? Okay. So a similar question. Would you rather, Alex, sell Xhaka and sign two central midfielders but we can't strengthen anywhere else or... Keep Xhaka and sign two centre forwards, but get rid of Lacazette. My instinct is the second one. Yeah, sign two forwards. When you say we can't we can't upgrade anywhere else, is that in both situations? Yeah, so as in we either sign two central midfielders and get rid of Xhaka. Or we sign two central centre forwards and get rid of Lacquer. No other incomings or outgoings. 
So I guess the basically the bat boils down to who's holding our game back more. And mm-hmm. I actually think Lacazette does more of what we'd need a centre forward to do than Jacques. No, that's not true. I think Jacques I think Xhaka does more of what we'd need in the left eight, despite being very limited and sort of rolling around into a six. Like if we if from the way Jack is playing at the moment, if we signed him this summer, and and I was watching comps of him playing at I don't know Napoli, I wouldn't be convinced, but I'd also be open to it because I think he's playing the best football of his career at the moment. With Lacazette, I think it places a more significant cap on what we do. And also, I think, I've I've said in previous podcasts, I think the two positions that are going to essentially explode this team are actually those two positions because they they will, not only for the, the quality in those positions that hopefully the players will have, but also for the impact it will have on the players around them. But I think a centre-forward, if we get the right one, is probably number one on my list. So yeah, I'm going to go for the second one because I, I think it just, if we add, say, even 15 goals to this team I'm very interested where we end up next season very interested okay okay what about you I'd go centre forward yeah I agree I think look Xhaka whilst I have my opinions on him and I think that across a Premier League season he'll let you down two or three times um, is more carryable in that midfield than Lacazette is carryable up front and getting a centre forward that has threat will unlock the games of Saka or whoever's on that right hand side or Martinelli or Smith Rowe on that left. It will improve their game. Like I think that signing a replacement in the midfield would improve that singular position, but I don't think it would have as much of a knock on effect on as many other positions as signing a centre forward would. Because yeah, you imagine with. Whoever we get, whether that's uh, DCL, Darwin Nunes, Jao Felix, there's so many rumours. All of those come with a level of threat that would open space up for Saka and for Martinelli or Smithrow. Because like we saw against Villa, Tyrone Mings is able to go out to Ashley Young and help him deal with Saka, or at least try to, because there isn't a lot of threat through the middle. If we had uh, even just a like, a, a good like a very good center forward they'd be able to exploit that space and then automatically more pockets open up i think that is the one place that we're we're in desperate need of someone and um, balls in from the left hand side from tierney as well depending on that center forward i think will be huge um also i'm not against playing smith rose in interior in some games in the left eight so i think that's another option as well if, if we couldn't upgrade there so yeah second one um Final one that's a bit more serious. I, I actually think this is quite a difficult one. Okay. Would you rather Arteta gets only one more contract at Arsenal or Saka and Smith Rowe only get one more contract at Arsenal? It's like Sophie's choice, this. Oh, it's difficult. It's difficult. I'd probably say Arteta. Oh, I'd probably say Arteta only gets one more contract over Saka and Smith Rowe. Okay, Saka and Smith Rowe are like, if it was just one, as in if it was just Saka or just Smith Rowe, yeah. I'd probably go with that. But that's two major cogs in a system that you have to replace. Whereas Arteta is just one. This will surprise no one. This, I think, I think, I think this is also very much. <laughs> imbued with the fact that I love Saka and Smithrow. Like they've, they saved our season last season. They've been carrying us for such a long time that they're automatically has built up such an affinity to them. Whereas I think across a lot of the fan base, the love for Arteta is more recent. So isn't as kind of ingrown or deep lying. Like I've loved Saka for the two years that he's been carrying Arsenal. I'm, one of the very few that seems to be very fresh on this Arteta train. 
So I think that's probably what clouds my judgment around it, because I've said before, I think that the talent ID is good enough that we could eventually replace anyone, Saka or Smithrow. But I think that it is, I'm going with my heart over my head and saying, I'd rather, I'd rather keep Saka and Smithrow because I love them. They're my boys. I think that dichotomy of the heart over the head is is the point, and I think I think my head wins out in this one. I also obviously adore those boys, and if but I think if we're a bit more rational, I th- I think I'd keep Arteta and and let that you let have their to kill your darlings. Well, the thing is, mate... It depends. If you're letting their contracts expire, that's very different to selling them. If they're going on a free, that makes it a completely different conversation. Contracts expire. So they go on a free. You can't sell a manager because... You you can't sell a manager because otherwise that would... Do you know what I mean? That would be... uh, So uh, Saka and Smith-Rowe leave on a free? Yeah. Then definitely Arteta. Because it becomes very... If you're talking about replacing Saka and Smith Rowe, you need money to do that. You don't like losing those two on a free is much worse for the club than losing Arteta on a free. There are there are other good managers out there who could get a tune out of this team. There are not like it's very rare that we would be able to get two players of that requisite quality again for free. Uh, so I'd put stock in I, getting somebody else in rather than losing two of our three biggest assets on a free transfer. I'd still let Saka and Smith Rowe go. Because the thing is, I think I think the team ultimately at the moment is built around Arteta's image. And the the thing that I've always been safe with with Arteta is his talent ID. I believe he knows the exact specifics of everything he wants from each player in his system. I mean, it's clear, you know, Ben White, he, there, there's been all sorts of stuff coming out recently about what he looked for in the data. And that's why he was, he was top of the list. He came out top of the top of the list in all the data that he wanted from that position. And I think, you know, I'm sure other managers do that, but I think Arteta in terms of his hit rate and in terms of how he, as well as looking at the sort of mentality of the players, as, as hard as it would be to let Saka and Smith Rowe go, I I trust I trust that Arteta would know what he needed in that position again and would look to refresh that position and probably get it right. Whereas the other way round, I don't know the the new person coming in whether they'd have the team in their image and also be able to, for example, if we then sold Sakura Smith Rowe, be able to replace them in the same way. Mm-hmm. It also depends who, you know, we definitely give stock to Mikel's talent ID. It depends how much of the scouting team is involved with that, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. if you're, you're talking about removing one man from the whole structure, the structure should be good enough to survive. Yeah. And also, if you remain in, on good terms with Mikel, he may be able to say, look, who do I think would work best with this group of players? Here's who I think you should go out and try and get. Uh, you know, I'm moving on to this team at the end of the season and I can be part of that process of saying, look, you know, I, I play this way and I believe in these principles. I'm looking around at other coaches around the world and I'm saying, actually, I think he might be good, he might be good, he might be good. The problem is lurching from coach to coach to coach, which the likes of Man City do and Tottenham do. So I think as long as there's a sort of process, I can see why you'd want to keep Saka and Smith Rowe. But I just think the team is moulded in one way at the, at the moment. And I think it might be more harm than it's worth to do that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Bradley, let's have a silly one. Come on. Do you want my ridiculous one? Uh, This is ridiculous because um, Spurs would never be able to do any of these things. But uh, would you rather Arsenal win the Champions League, but Spurs win an invincible domestic treble or Arsenal win an invincible domestic treble and Spurs win the Champions League? So in some way, Arsenal's legacy ends up tainted. If Spurs win the Champions League, they've done it before Arsenal. If they win the invincible domestic treble, they've done the invincibles. That is so hard. That is so hard. Spurs will never be able to do either of these things, but 
it's so it's oh, I genuinely can't choose I mean it's like choosing which leg to have amputated um I know what I would choose I do you know what Spurs nearly won the Champions League and as hard as that would be to watch I just can't have them going invincible because because it just it's like they would be insufferable. Whereas if, yeah. I mean, they, they would be insufferable if they won the Champions League as well, but but in a in a less pointed way to us. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 yeah. so specific to Arsenal that uh, yeah, I'd go then win the Champions League. It's harder. It's harder to to go invincible than I than it is to to win the Champions League. Um, yeah. And I, th- I, I just think that, listen, like you say, it would fucking suck to watch them win the Champions League. But there's still an opportunity for us to go and win a Champions League and win more Champions Leagues than them. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see a team go invincible ever again. So to lose that, I think, would really hurt Arsenal and its legacy. Yeah, that would be painful. That would be really painful. Uh, my final one, Bradley. <clears throat> this is very silly. Would you rather Spurs get relegated, but Edu is contractually obliged to play centre forward for us for the next three seasons? To, to be clear, they get relegated to the fourth division. So they can work their way back up, but they get relegated to the fourth division. Or Chelsea liquidate and we get their players but we have to move to Stamford Bridge and become London FC. Um, Would you rather Spurs get relegated to the fourth division and Edu is contractually obliged to play centre-forward for the next three seasons or Chelsea liquidate and we get their players, but we have to move to Stamford Bridge and become London FC? So you'd choose... Yeah, I'm not... We're not... We're Arsenal. There's, There's in no way I'd ever accept a name change. That's not who we are. You can change the stadium. You can call that whatever you want, but Arsenal or Arsenal, I will. I will never want to be called London FC. Uh, I don't in any way want to be associated with Chelsea or their history or you know that dirty club. So I'd rather Spurs get relegated and we have to play Edu up front for a, for three seasons. So would I, but can you imagine that? <laughs> can you imagine watching Edu up front? To be fair, if he got back, in, if he got back in shape, how old is Edu? Around Mikel's age? 40-something? Edu Gaspar age. He's 43. Born in 1978. Yeah, 43. He's 43. So he'd be playing till he's 46, which there, there's there's some people who are still playing. Isn't Buffon like 42 or something? The oldest footballer um, to play professional footballer is he's a guy like 50, called, isn't uh, he? Kazuyoshi Mura, who was born in 1967 and is 55. So if Edu got back in shape, Edu wasn't a bad baller. He might still have the technique. I'm not saying we should do I, it, but I'm thing. just saying. You never, <laughs> you, you never lose technique, really, because it's ingrained in your body. Once you really, to the level that professional footballers do it or professionals in most skills do it, it's the body that that, that in the fitness that breaks down rather than the technique. It's why there's videos of like a 45-year-old Bobby Zamora playing Sunday League or like five-a-side oh, just, just absolutely yeah. twatting people because he's still got the technique of a professional footballer. That kind of the, that side of the game you don't lose. It's the fitness and the like ability for your body to do all of those things. Also, imagine just Rochdale in the toilet bowl playing Spurs and all their players leaving because they don't want to be in the fourth division. That'd be so nice. And they get like th- they get like twelve thousand fans in the stadium. <laughs> Worthless club. Uh, after the break, we'll be doing mailbag and we'll be pitching some songs. We shall. Hey, babe, what you got there? This is a check from Carvana. I just sold my car to them. I went online and Carvana gave me an offer right away. Then they just picked up the car and gave me this. It's a big check. Well, obviously you could put this towards your next car or we could finally get that jacuzzi or I could start taking tuba lessons or I could quit my job and write my memoir. Or I can put it towards my next car with Carvana. Sorry, your check, not mine. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. 
Okay, part two of the show, we're going to be answering your questions. Thanks for sending them in. We've had some funny ones, some interesting ones. And we're going to start, Bradley, with Mm -hmm. this one from AFC Joel. Do you think top four will be decided in the North London derby or be settled before then? I think it'll be settled before then. It Obviously, it depends when they put the North London derby, but... For example, Spurs need us to lose to United and to Chelsea and then lose to them and then pick up maximum points in their next however many games they have left for them to pip us to top four. I don't see Spurs going on a winning streak until the end of the season. They will drop points. I think top four will be decided by games that Arsenal should win and need to win to keep the momentum going rather than those big games. Um, There's always the opportunity of it though, you know, and that would be both exciting and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I I think Sky will want it to happen, but I don't think it will. It's Whenever I hear discourse about this on, uh, I will use air quotes, neutral media, um, I often hear sort of, well, the big games will decide it because, you know, you know, Arsenal have still got to go here, here, here. So it might be, which completely discounts the point that Spurs might lose games. <laughs> like, and United will lose games. Like, it, it, play, it appears to miss out the fact that they might also drop points in the in the meanwhile. Um, I, Spurs have got to go to Anfield. I, They're not winning there. Yeah. I, I, my hunch is that we will have quite a nervy end to the season but I don't think it will be because Spurs are pushing us I have a feeling United might go on a bit of a run um, I, I think we'll get top four I, I really do but I, I I don't see Spurs <sighs> Let's look I think the, the North London I... derby could decide I think the North, the North London derby could decide top four but not for Spurs it'll be for between right Right. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good I way think they're too, they are too far behind they are too far behind they've got a, we have to lose three games one of which is to them and they have to pick up maximum points in all of their games to catch us yeah. and then keep us at a distance it, it's it's with the level of the Premier League and with the level that we've seen from Spurs this season of all the yo-yoing it's just not going to happen United might pip us. That's very, very possible, especially now that they're out of the Champions League, which is a shame because I would have hoped for the fixture congestion from them. But I, I don't, I don't see Spurs breaching top four. Yeah, and they have some really tricky away games. Villa, I think Brentford's always tough. Liverpool, as you say, um, Norwich on the final day, which probably they'll be relegated by then, but there's a possibility that they won't be and be fighting. So, yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> here we go. There's no easy games of the Premier League. But yeah, I, I, to answer the question, I don't think we'll be... I think what you said, it might decide it for us, but I don't think it'll decide it for them because I just, I can't see it happening. I think they're going to drop points because then they're, they're, they're not consistent. They haven't been consistent at any point in the season. So why do we expect them to be now? There are two teams in this league that I think could go on a 10-game winning streak, and that's City and Liverpool. Tottenham don't have the quality, yeah. let alone the depth. Yeah, yeah, and their their record this season is so checkered. Like, I don't understand why anyone's expecting them to be consistent now. But anyway, um, next they've question. Won, wait, they've won two games in a row for, for the first time since Boxing Day. Like, why, <laughs> why are we talking as if they're going to go on a nine-game unbeaten run? It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Question from at Eddie Longbridge. He says, Bradley, is it time, especially with the weather warming up for Mikel Arteta, to change attire for match games? He either wears his dark grey puffy jacket or his black zip-up top and white shirt. And handily, Eddie has attached uh, images of these (laughs) outfits. Always grey trousers. Is he in danger of being predictable with his fashion? And is it a worry? It's a huge worry, Eddie. It's a huge worry. It's a huge worry. I'd worry about him overheating in the summer with the amount of pacing he does on the touchline. Yeah. I can't really imagine Mikel in shorts and like a vest top, to be honest. When he goes when he goes sunbathing, he wears chinos. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Chinos and a polo. He's in like chinos he's... and a cardigan. 
<laughs> yeah. I can't imagine wearing a hat. It's a it's a very set look. He's also got those black trainers with the white rims that he just absolutely probably probably sleeps in them, mate. He literally doesn't never takes them off. I mean, look, he's got a look. It's the black Armani jacket and the grey trousers or the black zip. We might see him in a t-shirt. I can I can see that happening. We, I, I could. We might see the zip open. <laughs> that might be the level to which we see, if we're lucky, if we can if we can dare to dream. Um, the next question, Bradley, is from if I can find it, Cal Thomas, who says, discuss the Hello, fact Cal. that Saka won't get Young Player of the Year, but if he played for any other team in the league, he would. I could see him getting Young Player of the Year. Yeah, I don't really agree, Cal. I think he will. Who who's get who's going to get it over him? He's got more goals and assists than Grealish and Foden combined. He is comfortably yeah, on form, one of the best right wingers in the league. Name a better youngster at the moment than than Saka. Bakayo Saka Sa- starts for England. Foden doesn't. As in Bakayo yeah. Saka for me at the moment is nailed on and should be England's number one choice right winger for for the World Cup, for the coming games. Yeah. Foden is not that on that left-hand side or in the in, in the midfield. Foden isn't even first choice in his own team. I think if he doesn't get Young Player of the Year, we should riot in the streets. I mean like seriously, if they don't give it to him, I I don't I do not understand. It's also a question of like, listen, I, I I know that Foden is a very good footballer, but it's the same thing about the kind of Haaland and Mbappe conversation. You have one of these two players doing it at the biggest club in the country where they've got ridiculous options to always be able to play 60 million pound players and just walk teams off the park. And you've got one who's in the youngest team of, in the league who people expected to finish eighth, dragging us towards Champions League football. Like I, I, there's not a conversation here. If you want, if it's if it's about young player of the year and the player that's made the most impact that year, Foden is nowhere near it. And and surely young player of the year should be about someone who's stepped up to another level as a young player. It should like you know if if for example, I don't know, say say when Messi hit La Liga, I'm sure he did win it every year because he probably did step up every a level every year. But if you're if you're talking about a a step up in quality obviously Saka was great last year but he if you watch the games he's so much more impactful he's the main man for Arsenal now there's no there's no denying that and he he's bulked out he's you know he he looks more and more influential in the team so if we're talking about growth as a player as well Saka has done that you know mm-hmm. I watched Foden Foden's very good but I I don't think he's stepped up significantly especially considering what happened to Saka in the summer do you know what I mean? And that, you know, mentally to come back from that. So I, if he doesn't get it, I, 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 I'm, s- <laughs> where's Mike Dean? Do you know what I mean? Like it will be, where's Mike Dean time? Um, Next question, Bradley, is directly um at you. Okay. How many of the people hyping Saliba have actually watched him play week in, week out? Three. Has the hype outstripped his actual ability or is the criticism leveled at Arteta for not playing him justified that's from at ard football um i don't think the criticism is justified i think the loan uh is the the better decision you could make an argument that having him in the squad would be better for arsenal uh because you know we'd have an option who's better at playing out from the back as our third choice but at the end of the day him as an asset is going to grow more playing first team football and and dragging a team to the champions league in france than it, than it is going to be to, to be third fiddle here at Arsenal. Um, I don't think the hype outstrips his third ability, fiddle. though. I th- Like, he's he's phenomenal. Like, he's brilliant. And for me, I think he has a better ceiling than our two main centre-backs right now. But if you look at peak years and when, like, traditionally centre-backs or goalkeepers or strikers tend to peak... Ben White and Gabriel are five years away from their peaks. So Saliba himself is eight or nine years away from his peak. He's so young and all of them are so young that 
at the end of the day, he will be much better served for this first team football for his growth as a footballer rather than sitting on the bench at Arsenal. And we have a much better chance of keeping him, I think, now by saying to him, look, you've gone out, you've done phenomenally well, we're going to bring you in and rotate you and play you in 30 games this season than we would have if we'd have kept him and given him 10 starts. We've got a much better chance of tying him down to a new deal because I think it's obvious that we've done this for his best interests as well as Arsenal's. And that's something you can sell to a player. Yeah. I mean, to answer the question, I I, I think... There is definitely probably people who have not watched Saliba. I've always maintained that if Saliba was like slightly less handsome from a less kind of uh, football rich part of the world and wasn't signed for the price he was, there, there'd be a lot of different opinion, even if he was exactly the same player. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I suppose what I'd say is, you know, the people and I and I can't think who this is who questioned the loan last season have probably um looking at how how it's played out are probably thinking perhaps it was the right move. Again, maybe not for Arsenal, but for him certainly. Um I really don't know what's gonna happen. I, I the problem is at the moment for Arsenal is Saliba's coming into a situation where there is a settled back, certainly back two and probably back five. And I don't see if he replaces Gabriel. I think that makes sense. I don't think it makes sense to have him as a third option because he's already playing as in, if that's the decision, we're going to have you as a third option. I think if we bring him back, it's with the view to giving him, you know, we were having a discussion on WhatsApp, um, off across the two positions, let's say there's 60 games in a season, that's 120 starts. You know, if he could play either side, which I think he can and has, mm-hmm. there's 120 starts in that. So, unless we're thinking of playing him in at least 30 to 40, I don't know what the plan is. Um, I, 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 it's a really difficult one. We've actually, we've kind of hamstrung ourselves and buying him. You know, because the time since we bought him is kind of a factor. It's kind of, you know, we've got to make a decision about the contract. Technically, he's only got a year left. We've got an option to extend it, actually. we, we In 2019, he signed a four plus one. Um, so it's a very, very tricky one. I think my hunch is Saliba will go this summer because I, I actually think he's kind of too good to sit on the bench, but Arteta won't want to change what, what's going on. He won't want to introduce someone there who's going to be part of that dynamic and constantly the questions coming in, you know, each each day. Or he's going to double down and he will start most games next season. I I don't see a situation where Saliba plays 10 games across the season. I just don't. I think he could come in and replace Gabriel for for a fair few games this season. Gabriel's been brilliant. He is rash at points and gets too close to people. Um, and I think that you, especially with Champions League football, we're going to if like, obviously it's still an if we get that, you're going to need high quality players who can rotate in and out. And it's re- it's going to be difficult to sell to a player who started probably nearly every game for Marseille this season, getting them towards the Champions League, come in and play 30 games rather than playing 50 but with a wage increase, with the look of what we're doing, with the opportunity to play not only just in the Premier League, but in the Champions League, it's it's something that can be done. And I think it's something that should be done because I really do think that he has a better ceiling than our two centre-backs. I think our two centre-backs are great. But if you look at what he's doing in obviously a league that doesn't have quite the same quality as the Premier League, but he's doing and putting up numbers in that league at the age of 20 that's the same as, if not at some points, better than Ben White. And he's four years is younger. I think that he could be an absolute star and it's imperative that Arsenal work this situation out. And if we don't, it is an unfortunate bit of a failure. Whether that's going to happen or not, though, is, again, it's 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 a coin flip. It's whether the player is going to be able to accept 
being the main man in a system coming in to play 30 games. But I could see White and Saliba as a partnership next season. I don't think that's too unlikely. Another option you've mentioned before is is Ben White plays that Tomiyasu role. Um, I can see that happening and Saliba slots in as a centre-back. The one, the one thing I'll say, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I really can't see, as I say, Saliba coming in and playing twenty to thirty games. I, I, I just think he will, he will have to be a significant part of the team, or not. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's at that stage now where he either has to be semi regularly starting and moving into becoming a, a full starter and or a regular starter by the end of the season. Or or not or sell him. I I just I, I don't know how else I don't know how you would sell the kind of middle version to the player. I I don't know how you do that, especially considering he's happy at Marseille. You know, and he's going to want assurances yeah. about his playtime. I don't know how you'd sell that. But listen, it is Mikel's fortieth birthday. Let's not let's not judge him too harshly. Um, <laughs> we did have a few more questions, but uh, we don't really have time for them. Uh, we did have one final question, which was from Kieran F ten who said, out of 10, how big of a twat is Lee Gunner? Mate, just... The answer's 10, Brad. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the answer's fucking 11, mate. Uh, Bradley and I have gone away, and we have come up with three chants uh, that we think should be, what's the word, reverberating around the Emirates by the end of the season for we, what we feel are underappreciated players um in the Arsenal roster. And I think Brad what we should do is we should choose a winner by the end. Um okay. and perhaps okay. have a little sing along together. Or, or and, should we let the, play out the well, podcast. maybe we put up a poll and, and let the audience go okay. to our Twitter and decide. Okay, we could do that. We could do that. I also think we should pick a winner. Um okay. as well. Our favourite. Would you like to go first or you go first because I went first with the would you rathers. Okay. Okay, let's do it. So, where are they? Here we are. Okay. So my first chant is for Bobby Holding. And it's to the tune of Dancing in the Moonlight. I don't need to see the intro. Holding in a back five. See out the game. We will survive. It's such a fine and natural sight. Everyone wants holding in a back five. Du, 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 du. You could optional do 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 do's. And then a second verse. Holding in a back five. Oh man, it makes me feel alive. It's such a fine and natural sight. Just like his hairline, we are alright. Do 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 do. What do you reckon? I'm gonna That's have solid. to put some some chart like some some cheering audience behind that. Otherwise, that is going to be the most painful bit of audio. Oh, it's going to be horrendous. <laughs> I just cut it out. In the- <laughs> Brad, you got one. I do. My first um, is for Albert Sambi Lakonga, and it's to the tune of the song. Um, I, oh God, what's the name of the song? It's the one that goes sugar. Da, 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 da. I've got one. Uh, uh, it's by the Archies, I think. Hang on. Sugar by the Archies. That's jokes. Sugar by the Archies. Okay. Here we go. Albert. Sam Conga. The base of our midfield. Playing for the mighty Arsenal. I like that. Big fan of that. Um, I can. I actually can hear that happening. If he comes in for party next season, I can. I that 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 works. Uh, I just I had a thought in my head, as I'm sure some listeners are having right now, of why are you doing this, and I re- remembered it was uh, yeah. from a DM <laughs> from Dominique Shrub, who said, uh, "Loving the podcast during this international break, could you possibly discuss chance and maybe try to get players who don't have a song one that is quality? This will only enhance our atmosphere to the next level." Dominique's always thinking how to how to take us to the next level. Lovely. Um, Okay, I've got another one. It's All right, here a, we go. It's quite a simple one, but I think it could work. Okay. It's for Albert Steubenberg. <laughs> and it's to the tune of Power by Kanye West. 
Of course it is. AirPods. <laughs> Albert. AirPods. Albert. AirPods. Albert. AirPods. Albert. And they just keep going. <laughs> Brad and I both trained in singing for three years. <laughs> God. <laughs> we can actually both sing, but we're not, we're not going to dust gonna those pipes that. off today. Christ, no. Um, solid. Solid work, mate. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I think I, I can hear that in the Emirates. Yeah. Um, all right. So mine, uh, my next one is for Eddie and Ketia, and it's it's to the tune of uh, Bambla Bamba. Sorry? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know what the song's called, but you know, bam, blah, bamba, da, 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 da. that song. I don't know what it's called. Alabamba or something? Alabamba, Bamba, something like that. Oh, Labamba, it's called. Labamba. And it goes, Eddie and Ketia, Eddie and Ketia, he can't shoot the ball, he can't run channels, but he plays for the Arsenal. Bit harsh, but thought, uh, we move. Thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine it really encouraging him, but it's quite catchy. Um, oh, God. What was I meant to sing about Enketia for, though? <laughs> maybe he's got a nice face or something. Just say he's a nice boy. My final one is to the tune of Sugar by the Archies, as I mentioned, and... It's by Nicola... It's not by Nicola Pepe. It's about Nicola Pepe. Imagine we... I've got a song by Nicola Pepe to sing. It's quite long. So please stick with me. I'll do it, I'll do it slightly sp- sped up. Pepe, do, 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 do. Oh, Nicola Pepe, do, 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 do. Your transfer seemed fishy as fuck. And Raul ran out of luck. Oh, Pepe, do, 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 do. Oh, Nicola Pepe, do. Don't do that because it, it, it's messing with my rhythm because it's behind. Do, do, uh, when you look like you care, you're great. But it's usually a masturbate because you don't combine very well. Oh, Pepe, do, 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 do. Oh, Nicola Pepe, do, 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 do. We broke our record transfer fee. So Edu will let you go for free. One, two, three. Oh, Pepe, do, 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 do. Oh, Nicola, Pepe, do, 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 do. Your goal contributes so hard, but build up like a chocolate fire guard. Key change. Oh, Pepe, do, 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 do. Oh, Nicola, Pepe, do, 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 do. You'll probably be gone real soon. Arteta will be over the moon. Oh, we love you really, do, 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 do. Oh, we'll miss you dearly, do, 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 do. Thanks for the memories, Nick. And to Raoul, you're a fraud, you prick. <laughs> the effort is is amazing. I rate it, I rate it. We can't include that one, that's... That's too long. What was your favourite apart from that one? It might I've not be your favourite. It was go. just too long. Oh yeah, I've got one more to go. Sorry, I, I sorry. Go go for it. It's it, to be fair, it's fine. That went on so long, I've forgotten the tune of my final song because <laughs> um, it's a song that I've not really heard a lot of. <laughs> this is vintage. Different, here we, here we go. Vintage here we go. international <laughs> break. Bollocks. So, um, my last one is for Nuno Tavares, and it is to the tune. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno from the Disney film Encanto. Oh, yeah. We don't talk about Nuno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Nuno. He's our new left back. He can defend and attack. And he plays for the Arsenal. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the tune. I really like that. I genuinely like. Also, I love that the theme through all of your songs is he plays for the Arsenal. <laughs> it's, the, it's the lyric in every one of your it's songs. The fi- it's the final line in every single one of my songs. There's a there's it's a nice. there's a thematic consistency. Similar, similar to Lima Miranda in that he, every tune of his is. Oh yeah, 
Every tune of his is the exact same with mumbly words and rhyming the same rhymes. It's just that every time. So annoying. (sighs) Um, That was fun. Most likely to to happen, your Sambi one. Yeah, I would agree. Best Um, one, I think, Bobby Holding. Hands down. You reckon? I, I like your Nuno one, though. The thing is, is I can imagine the Bobby Holding one becoming a cult chant. I don't think the Nuno one would. Yeah, it's a bit. People wouldn't want to sing Disney, would they? But I think they'd be all right with a bit of no. Who sings "Dancing in the Moonlight"? Dancing in the Moonlight. Who is it? Dancing in the Moonlight. This is the content you came for. Dan- Top loader. That's it. Should we say the Bobby Holding one then? Yeah. I'll give okay. it Bobby Holding. To the end of the season. Tweet us in. Tell us your favourite. Um, if it's not the Nicola Pepe one, I will be offended because I've spent a lot of time on that. At least 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> why the fuck do we do that? Listen, I bet our latest reviewer is going to be so pleased. Oh yeah, the if you got this far... There was a guy who gave us a review um, on Apple Podcasts, and he didn't like the podcast, which is absolutely fine. You can you can dislike things, but what he did say was that he'd listened to an entire season of us. No, just, as in this entire season, which has been over sixty hours long. Just don't listen, mate. Just turn it's, it off if, if you, you don't, don't like, you don't it. like it. <laughs> no one's forcing you. I don't get it. He also said we laugh too much at our own jokes, which is probably fair. Absolutely fair. Yeah, absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. He also got annoyed at us for saying like too much, which we're youths, mate. We're youths. We say it. Uh, thanks for listening to the Different Podcast. No time for news and views or, thanks, or any of that fun today. Uh, we'll be back next week with probably a slightly more, less ridiculous podcast um, uh, doing our transfer. Or will it be a sort of a tr- look ahead to the summer transfer window? Oh, look a, a look you, ahead, yeah. As you can tell, I have not planned it. Um, so, yes. Thanks for listening. Keep it different, knock. Anything to say, Brad? And we'll see you later. Peace. Oh, roll reversal. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at diffknock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.